Hi, Hi everyone. everyone. I'm John. And I'm Georgia. And we're here inside your ears to talk about the mac and cheese of movies. This, this is, is Comfort, Comfort Films. Films. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 18 of the Comfort Films podcast. And we are going to discuss Casino Royale. Yes. yes. The 2006 masterpiece directed by Martin Campbell. This is Daniel Craig's first outing as James Bond. And awesomest, probably for me, anyway. I, You know what? We've got some polls going on right now on Instagram so we can determine what is the number one Bond film of all time. By our listener, watcher followers yes <laughs> yeah. yes and i gotta tell you i mean there's a lot of surprising results so far and this is just day one i agree of our elimination brackets that georgia came up with thank you georgia you're welcome yes we have brackets up so if you don't follow us on instagram and you're a james bond fan this is kind of the week to get involved yeah. um because we do have kind of a bracket battle going on john put up a post today um, showing the bracket as a whole and we had our first day of polls today, so um, tomorrow we'll have some eliminations, and then we'll go through the second half of round one um, to call the herd. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll have some runoffs, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting to see, because some people have opinions that I'm like, wow. Didn't expect that. Yeah, there are things that are just really surprising. And I don't want to give anything away. And each poll lasts for 24 hours. We let it run the whole time. So anybody that wants to pop in and vote, you can get your voice heard. And we want to know it because this is very interesting to us. Yeah, I mean, this is what we were saying. We talk about these films all the time. Yes, like, we have so many lists. We've watched these over and over and over like every single one even the ones that we maybe don't like as much we've watched them over and over oh yeah we've bought them on multiple formats and platforms i've mortgaged <laughs> i've you know gone to creditors <laughs> i'm into the loan sharks i we, mean yeah we just watch these so much and just being able to interact with other people and hear their opinions has been a really refreshing change for us mm-hmm. you know so that's that's really cool, but I'm super psyched um, that we decided to do Casino Royale. Um, not to influence anyone's votes, but this is actually my favorite um, for a number of reasons, um, which I'm sure we'll get into over the course of the show today. Well, I think it's my favorite, too. I mean, I'm always the person that's like, I know what my favorites are, and then I change my mind, you yeah. know? I have all these lists on my phone. I'm always, like, wanting to rank things. Yeah, John is a huge ranker. Yeah, I'm so out of control. It's really... Well, we've gone through this before. We have uh, a Spotify playlist of the best Bond songs. Yes, yes. Well, it's all the Bond songs, but they're in order of greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know my name from Casino Royale, I think, is number one. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know my name is a song like no other. We were just reading the lyrics again right before we jumped on. Yeah. Man, that's good. It's, it's just it, right in line with the movie. It ties into the movie perfectly. Mm-hmm. Chris Cornell is phenomenal. Oh, that voice. His voice is amazing. Yeah. I mean, we were like t- like teenagers in the early 90s when like Soundgarden was happening mm-hmm. and like Temple of the Dog mm-hmm. and then Audio Slave yeah, yeah. Like, came out when we were like older and just Chris Cornell, like, God, he was so good. Yeah. I mean, he's got 
this real fire and this real passion and it's just so raw and it, it really re-energizes the franchise in my opinion i fully agree like that's what i love about the movie so much like honestly i never really did a lot of james bond so this is the difference between us because i think you grew up kind of enjoying this movie oh yeah yeah you would talk about him with your friends mm -hmm. and your dad and all this kind of yeah. stuff but I never saw a James Bond movie until you and I went to see Die Another Day when it came out. Yes. At the theater. That was your number one. Yeah, the yeah, first one my, you went to. Yeah, My very first one was Die Another Day, which came out, I don't know, early 2000s or something. And yeah, that was my first experience. And I knew Pierce Brosnan from other things. Like I remember watching Remington Steel when I was a really small kid with oh, my yeah. mom. Since that was her favorite show. Um. So, and I always thought Pierce Brosnan was going to be a super great James Bond. And he fits, like, the idea that I kind of had in my head of James Bond mm -hmm. as this kind of suave, like, debonair kind of guy. Yeah. Then they come in and they cast this Daniel Craig, who I don't think I knew him at the time. Like, I think we probably saw Layer Cake, like, after. Yeah, I had no idea who this guy was. I yeah. had no idea who and this guy was. And he doesn't seem like your idea of Bond. I remember when they came in, I was like, first of all, he's blonde. <laughs> we all know how i feel about that right oh look i i know very well how you feel about blonde dudes <laughs> yeah. you know i'm a i mean that's a hard no for yeah. me but like having that be james bond i was just like what because you know you had all these other james bonds before they all were dark-haired guys like the tall dark and handsome template kind mm -hmm. of and then you get like this really you know ruddy blonde guy and i'm like what what and also he's kind of a bruiser like he's not like a slick kind of suave guy well that's one of the things that was really the major appeal like i i didn't know what direction we were going to be going with because when they announced that it was daniel craig it was like who's the new guy you know yeah. what i mean it's like who's this and then it, it came to be for me that this is my my number one bond this daniel is craig also my number one bond as yeah. much as i was kind of like question mark mm -hmm. um he came in and it turns out that i love like this tough kind of bond that's just ready to get in a fight and just ready to you know do what it takes to get the job done and i thought that was super cool i loved that direction well, and if you see in the movie, like, they, they really illustrate that very well. Like, when he's in Madagascar, and he's chasing, uh, I guess, the rogue agent, and um, they have this amazing parkour sequence. Which is unbelievable. Yes. He has the scene where the bad guy, like, just jumps this fence or this wall. Yeah. <laughs> And Daniel Craig just runs right through it, just like a With cartoon. A, yes, that's the, that's just like that's who you knew who. That's when you knew who you were dealing with. Yeah, and I love it. Yeah, and I just thought it was so good. Even before that, the 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 opening, like the cold opening oh, of the movie, yeah. where he goes to Czech Republic to become a double O. I love that. You see this huge fight where he got his first kill, where he's just beating the pants off this guy in the bathroom. Yeah. He's just using the bathroom, like, to beat this man. Oof. Like, he's hitting him into a sink, breaking the sink, breaking the walls down. It's, like, a hardcore, like, fight that they're in. Yeah. And it's awesome. But it's like, that's not what you saw before. I mean, when I think back to the other Bond movies, 
they had great opening sequences sometimes, mm-hmm. but it was never just like some dude beating the crud out of another dude. Well, George Lazenby had some really good fight sequences. Yes. He had some hand-to-hand work, and that was just the one film on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I think about that, and the physicality that he brought to the role, I feel like is what Daniel Craig continued with. With this, I mean, he brought so many other things as well. Yeah, but you I know? think I, I think that that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Like Lazenby kind of was younger. Yep. Um. Then you know you had just gone from Sean Connery, who was kind of getting older by that point. Yep. Um, becoming like a less physical bond. Then you have like George Lazenby come in more young, more physical, and then you switch back to Roger Moore, who kind of has this very suave debonair thing. Mm-hmm. And I would kind of lump in Roger Moore with what Pierce Brosnan was doing as well. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah. When we went from Connery to Lazenby on Honor Majesty's Secret Service, they actually went back to Connery. Yes. And they, they wanted him back. And, and that's how we got Diamonds Are Forever, which was the last movie that Sean Connery did until the 80s. When he came back with Never Say Never Again. Which is like a non-canon type of movie. Right. There was a dispute over the rights to Thunderball. And, you know, who had ownership. And the, the way it was decided in the end is that another version could be released. And that was Never Say Never Again. Yeah. And so that was... And by that point, Connery was fairly old. Yes. And kind of different. <laughs> I'm not saying that in a mean way. It just no. isn't the same as like the young Sean Connery, who was a kind of a physical bond. Yes, and a little bit like rougher around the edges. Well, and and then again, you're like, okay, so we talked about Lazenby, but Sean Connery also had that very gruff, no nonsense situation. Yeah, and I mean, again, we do spoilers on this show, and we do jump around. So if you have not seen <laughs> Casino Royale. Uh, strap in, hold on, and hopefully you can follow our wild logic. And honestly, if you haven't seen all of the James Bond movies, be very aware yeah. that we could end up saying something. Because even though we're very focused on Casino Royale here, mm-hmm. we're definitely going to talk other Bonds. Absolutely. Um, because it's it's part of a tradition, mm-hmm. this movie. And, you know, things that came before and things that came after are, are definitely part of what makes this movie special. Yeah. I yeah. mean, no question. I mean, Sean Connery, you know, originates it. And he was <laughs> he was not uh, a soft touch. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no. You know, I, I believe it was in, in Thunderball. Um, there was a scene that, that makes me laugh every time. He's at this health spa, and he's in an office, and all these people are attacking him, and this guy just, like, breaks through a window, and he, like, knocks him out or kills him. I can't remember which. And he takes a telephone receiver, and he just, he just like, wraps the cord lightly around his neck and lets it dangle. <laughs> yeah, it you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that... You know, you expected from him that was just like, yeah, you take that, buddy. Yeah. And yeah. when we had uh, at the end of Casino Royale, so this is Spoiler City, when, you know, we have Daniel Craig talking to M on the phone, right? 
and she's like, how are you doing with the loss of Vesper? You know, he's very cold. Yeah. yeah. He's just what he like, said, I was just like, what? Yeah. Like, I remember we were in the theater and he was just like, no. You well, know, what I he don't says, care. she says, uh, if you need more time, then you can take more time. And mm-hmm. he says, why do I need more time? The job's done and the bitch is dead. Yeah. But the whole thing with him that is different to me than Sean Connery. Sean Connery had like the bruisery quality, the rough around the edges quality. Mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton had the same thing, I think. Um, yeah, I could see that. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, like I, Timothy Dalton was a great Bond without a very great script. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he was kind of one of my other favorites, which makes me super in the minority. Um, but I really liked how he was kind of like a tough guy uh, and not like super slick. Like the Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan. Well, he did have some smooth smoothness to him. He did. No, I'm not saying he didn't. And he, like, cleaned up good, yeah. too. But at the same time, like, License to Kill is very much like a going rogue kind of a movie. Yeah. I mean, um, that's... And well, I don't... Yeah, I mean, that's, like, very... That's what Timothy Dalton brought to it for me. That was the only rated R movie thus far. Yeah. Was licensed to kill. And that was that was a big change. Oh, but I was talking about something I forgot. Sorry. So what I was saying was, even though I think Daniel Craig kind of brings back like that Sean Connery rough around the edges thing, mm-hmm. he is like way more emotional than Sean Connery. Yes. In my opinion. Yes, like, yes, yes. Sean Connery was like totally like love him and leave him type. Yes. And Daniel Craig's James Bond like falls in love with people. Twice, big time. It's huge, yeah. His relationship with Vesper is very much like he has really fallen for this woman. Mm -hmm. And later with Madeline and the other movies, it is kind of like the same thing. Although, in my opinion, with Vesper, it feels deeper in a weird way. That's the love of his life, in my opinion. That's kind of what I feel, too. And like I think with the, the further movies, they were kind of trying to convince us that Madeline was, but... I don't know if I believe that. No, I feel that Vesper is the one that he'll always have in his heart. Yeah. You know, and, you know, well, again, I'm going to Spoiler City. So strap in, guys. (laughs) This is this is major spoilage on the Daniel Craig front jumping forward. Major, 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 major spoilage. So, yeah, when we have the situation where, you know, Madeline has his kid later, there, there's like a, a family aspect, and so I feel that his connection with Madeline, you know, is there, and it's strong. And then they have a child, and that brings it to a completely higher level than what he had with Vesper. Because with Vesper's relationship, you felt like they were just on the cusp of him, you know, getting out of the business. He actually sends in his resignation yeah. at the end of Casino Royale, and he is ready to quit and just be with her. And he says to Vesper, you know, you need to find a regular job because I don't know how to do anything normal. <laughs> you know, he's ready to do that. But yeah, I, I just felt like, in a weird way, it almost felt like a first love. 
Mm-hmm. Like maybe he had never actually been in love with somebody before, even though he's old. Yeah, <laughs> you know he's not like a fifteen-year-old. He never opened up. He, that was the yeah. big thing. His whole thing was he always was with married women or mm-hmm. women who had another commitment. Yeah. So it's kind of almost like a first love, like that kind of crazy feeling of a first love that he has with her. And the whole thing is that she's kind of keeping secrets the whole time. That's the hard part. Um, yeah. So, oh man, it's just it's. It's also just so good because, like, Daniel Craig and Eve Green have super chemistry. Their chemistry is so fire that and you it, just believe it. Yes. And it's the chemistry that he has with her is unrivaled, in my opinion. Yeah. I throughout the series. I fully agree. Even with Madeline, you know, and it's, I, I just feel that the reason that he's able to move on, again, we're going to No Time to Die, guys. You know, and he is saying goodbye to to Vesper is because, you know, he's ready to move on to that next stage. Yeah, but it's taken, like, years Yes, for him to be able to do that. And it's still, it's still there. And if I'm not mistaken, the piece of paper that he has, he writes, forgive me. Yes, he does. Forgive me. Well, because he, Vesper... Vesper chooses to die at the end of this movie. Yeah. Because she has a lot of guilt over mm-hmm. what she's done and she's, you know, allowed this money to get back into the hands of terrorists and yeah. like, you know, it, because she was trying to save her the person she was in love with. Mhm. And even with that, which is very clear what her motivations were, he still Bond still feels like it was his fault. He could have done more. Yeah. He he feels like it's his responsibility. And he continues to feel that for years. Yeah, and he, he never he never forgives himself. He goes into this rage that we see, you know, that, that we see at the end of the film and then carries through Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Just this burning rage for revenge, as if like this body count is somehow going to fill this this massive hole yeah. that, that was filled by Vesper. And Daniel Craig fully sustains that. Sure does. Like, even though I think there's a general consensus that people don't really like Quantum of Solace that much, mm-hmm. I actually did when I first saw it. And then Same here. when we watched it again, I was kind of like, okay, well, maybe I can see where there's weaknesses. But Daniel Craig is not that weakness. Daniel Craig sustains that revenge feel like the whole time Mm -hmm. his intensity does not waver or wane yeah he always has that fire and it's pretty amazing and and again these are the reasons why i also consider him my favorite bond because i think that he is not making this a simple thing like i think that people have a tendency to want to simplify the idea of james bond sure that he's just like this guy who's a spy and he's going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. And he's going to like, you know, hook up with chicks and like drive cool cars and shoot guns and do gadgets and all this kind of neat stuff. Mm -hmm. But with Daniel Craig, there is like so much under the surface that he brings that it just makes it a better, richer experience for me to watch his performance in these movies. I fully agree. And and that's what he lays down this base 
of this character in Casino Royale. I feel like Casino Royale is where we get to see the most inside of James Bond. Yeah. To jump to Quantum of Solace for one second before I go back to Casino Royale, one of the biggest complaints that I heard about Quantum of Solace was the the very, very fast-paced editing. Mm -hmm. And when we first saw it, I loved it. And I feel like the editing in that film is meant to enhance this feeling of rapid revenge. It's the shortest film in the canon, and it is just... It's just like a guided missile. That's really interesting. Smart point. It's well. It's all. It's all stunts. Now, I, I think I had read somewhere once that this was also Quantum of Solace was happening around the time of a writer's strike, so that there was not an, a really uh, traditional script, from my understanding. Oh, okay. Well, that I, makes sense too. Yeah, I don't know if there was something maybe that was like a. a you know, they had something and then they jumped off from there, or if it was just a round table of ideas or maybe something, you know, came along as they were doing it. But the editing was the biggest issue that I've heard from folks mm -hmm. about it. But yeah, I just it think came, it's then. It came, sorry. It's all right. It came out around the time that that really super fast paced editing was kind of a thing. Yeah. Like yeah. Domino. Right. The movie Domino. Tony Scott. Comes, always comes to mind for me mm -hmm. as being like the editing was so fast mm -hmm. that like half the time you're just like dizzy because you don't even know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I actually like that movie too. I love mostly, that movie. But um, it's, it's kind of crazy pace. Um, and yeah, I, I think that was just kind of like that really was like a a thing that was happening right at that time. I agree so with you. So it fit with like the time, the era it came out in. It's yeah, it it was definitely a product of that time and it was also you know, again, I, I'm repeating myself, but I, I feel like there was an intention behind that pacing. But going back to Casino Royale and seeing into James Bond, you know, I feel that the connection is so strong with Vesper because they have so much in common. It's revealed, you know, both of them were orphans, mm -hmm. you know, and they're both able to size each other up perfectly in their first meeting on the train. Yeah. And they're very cutting with what they say to each other. But like there's this devilish joy that yes. both of them seem to have. And it's like it's unique. You know, they have this great, you know, beat. They have this great patter between them. Well, and she's also not afraid to stand up to him. Yes. And I think that that's actually something that we see over and over with Daniel Craig's Bond is that he appreciates women who do stand up to him because M is the same. Yeah. And he and M, I mean, he and Judy Dench have like a really good chemistry in a lot of ways. Sure do. And she, you know, she's always putting him in his place. Mm-hmm. And he's super okay with that. Like, he wants that out of people. He does. I, I think that, well, the relationship with Judy Dench this time when I watched it, this was, in my opinion, very motherly. Um, that's what I got out of it. Yeah. I didn't get any of the sexual tension that Judy Dench had with Pierce Brosnan. This, to me, was very much like a strict mother and her son yeah and she did care about him yeah because when he's you know when he's poisoned 
you know, going into cardiac arrest, she's very concerned. Yeah. And along the way, she gives him enough information to, to move along. At the very end of the film, she contacts him and says, oh, have you not brought the money to the bank yet? The man from the treasury is here. Yeah. And, and, you know, that is like the tip off of tip offs, you know, to say you need to find out what's going on with Vesper. And he also says, you know, I've quit. And she says, we'll discuss that later. Yeah. You like know, definitely very mom kind of a move. Yes. And then also when, you know, they're having that conversation about him coming back and he's you know, saying really crap things about Vesper, mm-hmm. M is saying to him, you know, the reason you're alive is because of her, if you, like, stop and think about it. So she's still trying to reason with him and bring him down. Yep. Um, and she does care about, like, his emotional state. And mm-hmm. I really love that about the M relationship with him. And, of course, in Skyfall... Mm-hmm. The M and Bond relationship kind of becomes like front and center. Yes, in that movie, and that's an, I know that's your second favorite, probably. Yeah, of it, all I, the Bonds. Yes, I mean for me, it's like I always think I know what my order is, and then I watch another film, <laughs> and then I I'm like, oh, I'm gonna rethink it. Maybe it's another way, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure for me, it's Casino Royale, Skyfall, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, um, up front. And then from there, I, I can always go, oh, what about this or that? Um, okay, so something else that I caught this time. So Casino Royale, James Bond breaks into M's apartment. Mm-hmm. You know, says, don't break into my apartment again. What does he do in Skyfall? Yeah. Right? I Like, I never yeah. thought about that until this time. I was like, wait, he breaks in again, doesn't he? <laughs> so, um, you know, it just shows you their relationship. Yeah. You know, uh, he's considered dead in Skyfall, and he shows up in M's apartment, and he says, I'm back, and I'm ready for duty. And she's like, well, you know, we've gotten rid of your apartment. We sold all your belongings. <laughs> and he's like, well, where am I supposed to go? And she's like, you're bloody well not staying here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not moving back into my house, sonny boy. No, no. Yeah. Oh, that's just funny. I haven't seen Skyfall in a while. I really need to watch it again. I want to watch that's... all the... I'm sorry. I, I want to watch all the Daniel Craig again. Yeah, I probably would too. The funny thing is we just watched No Time to Die mm-hmm. for the second time. And then we're just like, well, let's go back to Casino Royale and have that be our Bond episode. Mm -hmm. Because we could have just talked No Time to Die, I guess. Because we really enjoyed it. Great movie. Um, And it's such a great Mm wrap-up to the Daniel Craig kind of series of movies. Um, But Casino Royale just holds like that special place for both of us. Where it's just amazing. Like, really from the beginning to the end. I mean, the opening credit sequence is, like, yes. the best opening credit sequence ever in the history of, like, all movies, I think. Not just Bond movies. Like, the animations are so cool, and it fits with, like, the theme of, like, the suits from the cards, and it goes along with the song so good, and mm-hmm. we love the song so much. I mean, it's it's 
just amazing. I mean, I can't watch it without just thinking, this is so cool, like, every single time. It looks amazing, and it's like we watch it on our phones, then we watch it on the television tonight, and I'm like, man, I hope it comes back in the theater so I can see it even bigger. Yeah. You uh, know? I just, it's so colorful, mm -hmm. and, like, just perfect looking. I, I just love it. It's so intelligent. Yeah. I mean, what I like tonight is I noticed he like takes a spade yeah. and he loads it the into gun. the clip of his gun. I'm and like, then he that's shoots great. the spade out. Uh, it's so cool. I, my favorite thing I think is when the guys fall and just explode into like hearts or diamonds or things. It looks amazing. I just love it. Yeah, it, it's just everything about it. I actually have the uh, steel book of Casino Royale. I found it at Goodwill years ago for three ninety nine. I even remember how much it cost. And it has, you know, as the cover art, the actual, you know, background that we see in the opening credits. Yeah. And it's like when the title comes up, like it's got like that kind of uh it's kind of a beigeish brown kind of background mm -hmm. with all the like streamers kind of of the suits on it it looks awesome yeah I, I don't even know what i want to call those they almost look like veins because yeah. that's that's the way that they well, animate they, it at some point it does become a vein and it like opens and then the things start like the hearts and the diamonds start spilling out yeah ah it's just awesome it's like so awesome well if it's like i, I mean yeah i mean i don't know I don't know that they could ever, you know, no matter how long the franchise keeps going, I don't think that they could top this. I, I don't just think don't they know that they it. could either. I mean, the No Time to Die opening was great. Yes. I mean, the Quantum of Solace, I don't really remember the opening as much, but I do remember the song was great because that was the Jack White and Alicia, uh, Alicia Keys. Keys one, which yeah. I really enjoyed. Great song. Um, And Skyfall was cool and yes. it had the Adele song. And of course, her voice is like awesome yes i mean the the ones for daniel craig have all been pretty great we had sam smith writings on the wall for yes. uh specter yeah i like that and then we had the billy eilish song in no time to die really great yeah i love it and and they did a really nice job with the credit animations on that one as well mm -hmm. um and it's kind of like a callback to everything that he had done before oh it's just like really well done i wish i could be more articulate than just saying like the casino royale opening credit sequence is so cool but like literally that's all i think every time i see it well it's just brilliant the colors you know it's so fluid that's what i would say everything is a moving part in that opening sequence yeah. you know we have our animated bond in black and white and then he's fighting these other people you know that are red Yes. You know, and then they break apart. And I think he also fights people that are completely black as well. I think so, too, yeah. Well, but his, his like, avatar is also black sometimes, too. And they have, like, all the different colors. It's just it's just really awesome looking. It's very graphic. When they have the, the queen card. Yes. Yes. And, and the, the reticle kind of rolls over the face. Yes. And it turns into Vesper. Yes. Yeah, that's super cool. And then they shoot the card, the seven card. That part is so cool. They shoot out two holes next to the seven, so it's 007. Yes. And then we also have um, in the actual credits that he has achieved... 007 status. Yes. 
Yes. And then there's another part that I really love where like a guy is just like falling through the top from the top to the bottom of the screen and he hits like these reticles that are spinning and it turns into a roulette wheel. Yes. And it may even be at the part of the song that says life is gone it's just the spin of a wheel. Why not? Everything's perfect. It all ties in so well. Like whoever did that just good job. Okay? Yeah. So smart, so gorgeous looking, great song. It comes together just so great. And it just starts that movie like awesome. And then you immediately go to the introduction of Le Chiffre, Yes. Who is one of my favorite Bond villains. Maybe my favorite Bond villain. I love Mads Mikkelsen so much. Do you believe in God, Le Chiffre? I believe in a reasonable rate of return. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's our guy right there. That, I mean, what a villain. He, uh, clearly, this is like his audition for Hannibal because <laughs> it's very, you know, Hannibal-esque, uh, especially when we get into like the torture scene later. Um, but he, he, I just rarely does a role match an actor so well. Mm -hmm. And I really could not imagine anyone else being Le Chiffre. No. Um, because just Mads Mikkelsen's face is so expressive. Mm -hmm. The way he says his lines is so perfect. And the interesting thing about him is that he's like, his economy of movement is so great. Yes. You know, he doesn't move unless he needs to. No. He's got, like, great body control, great face control. But the whole thing with this character is, as cool as he seems on the surface, the dude is scrambling for half the movie. Yep. Because Bond screwed up his whole plan, and now he owes tons of money to some really bad dudes, mm -hmm. and he's in trouble. Yeah, he's out over $100 million yeah. that he keeps trying to get back. And Bond foils it at every turn. Yeah. And this guy still manages to keep a face on that it's okay. Yeah, he still seems like it's cool up until the very minute that the Mr. White, the Spectre operative, shows up to shoot him in the face. Yeah. I mean, he's he just maintains that calm almost up until the end. It's a, it's a no matter character. what happens. I mean, Obano um, comes in and, like, attacks him in his hotel room, is going to cut his girlfriend's hand off. Mm -hmm. He doesn't flinch no. right, while that's happening. No, and I mean, he gets called out on. It's like, you're not even going to say anything yeah. when I'm going mean, to cut clearly he's scared, her arm off. You know, he's sweating and stuff and, like, freaking out. But he keeps his, you know, he, he doesn't start crying. He's not, like, screaming. He's no. just is what it is. Well, and he's also very intelligent. Yeah. When he plays Bond at the poker table by faking a tell. Yes. By, you know, touching his temple. Yes. And so Bond loses, I forget how many millions of dollars. It's a lie. I mean, well, I mean, basically his whole $10 million stake is gone. Correct. He's knocked out of the game at that point, and they don't want to give him any more money yeah vesper is actually the treasury department person who's in charge of deciding whether they're going to give him more money or not and even though they have this relationship she's like no i'm not going to give you the money you're not a good bet for me yep and that that that's so interesting to me too because one thing i really noticed this time 
is that this whole movie just goes over and over with betting and gambling. Yes. Like, even the part in Madagascar where they're looking at this guy that they're, you know, that the guy who ends up in the parkour sequence with him. The evil operative. Yeah, I, 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 I'm yeah, not yeah. sure what his name is, but he, um, they're, they're at a, a betting match with a mongoose fighting a cobra. Yeah. The people are betting on that. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody in this movie is gambling all the time. Literally, in most ways. Which is really interesting to me. Sure. I mean, we have it set up in the title, Casino Royale. We have it set up in the opening credits that's all centered around playing cards. Yes. Casinos. Yes. And then you immediately go into the scene with Lashif and Obano. And Lashif is getting on the phone with the stock market guy. Because mm-hmm. he's gambling on the stock market. Yep. So, you know, it's all these different kinds of gambling are what's happening in this movie. Yeah, it's, I mean, the the way everything is tied together in this movie is nothing short of amazing. They really have this so well plotted. Yeah. Top to bottom. And the movie flies, which once again means it's awesome. For us, that usually means it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you're just right on the edge of your seat. We go from action sequence to action sequence to action sequence, all of which impressive yeah none of them you're like oh, i'm gonna take a nap now here's something <laughs> interesting when they're in madagascar this is interesting to point out the other mi6 operative that is there with bond he's terrible yeah he's crap he blows their cover yeah and if it wasn't because of this unseasoned you know incompetent agent Bond would not have to go through this massive chase yeah. to catch, you know, as I call him, the evil operative. Yeah. And, I mean, this this chase, you know, goes through the jungle. Yeah. It goes through, like, this construction site, yes. which is the coolest thing ever, through um, into, like, the embassy. Yeah, Which is where the standoff happens. Well, it's when they go up to the top of the construction site. I mean, how many feet up would you say that is? No. 100 feet, 200 feet. They go up all the way of a construction of, I would say, a skyscraper. Yeah, I mean, probably not. I don't know if you would say it's a skyscraper. It's an extremely tall building. Yeah. I would say 10 stories is fair. Yeah. Yeah. 10 or even more so that would be like 100 feet whatever if i'm six feet off the ground i'm crying but that (laughs) dude right i go up on the three three step step ladder to get something off the top shelf and i'm like freaking out yeah so i get you but yeah they're up on like these cranes oh my god i mean it might be a skyscraper so cranes seem very tall yeah it's enormous and these guys keep taking these jumps Oh. And they keep hitting it's, so hard. It's like gives you a heart attack watching it too. Well, yeah, so they it's like they go they they run from the this betting arena, you know, and then they run over to this construction site. They go all the way up this building, then they come all the way back down, then they run all the way into this embassy, and then Bond chases the guy all the way into like a an office. Yeah. You know, with uh I, I don't know, an ambassador? I don't know I what guess, that guy yeah. is. Uh, you know, he's he's a heavy-duty official. Some diplomatic person. Yes. Yes. And he gets this guy, and then he pulls him out of the embassy, and he's going to take him back. 
and then Bond is surrounded. Yeah. He gives up his gun, pushes the guy back over, then he pulls out another gun, shoots the guy in the chest to kill him, and then shoots a canister which explodes. Yeah, and blows up the whole courtyard. Yeah. And knocks out all the guys who were who were holding guns on him. Yeah. And that's it. He escapes. <laughs> yeah, and he escapes with, you know, the guy's cell phone and a bomb. Yeah, so he has his lead, mm-hmm. although he did get caught on camera, so now he's in big trouble back home. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. But he got the info he needed, which is what allows him to get to the Bahamas, where he's uh, tracked down uh, Demetrios. Is that the guy? I think that's it. Um, so he's tracked down that guy, and he finds out more about, you know, this whole plan with, like, the big plane that's going to be destroyed. And that's how um, Lashif is going to make this money. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's investing a lot of stock in this airplane. Uh, which is like the biggest plane or something like that. Yeah. So everybody's investing a lot of stock in that. He's investing in that failing um, and because he knows that it's going to get blown up. Mm-hmm. Then Bond stops it from getting blown up. There goes the $100 million. Suddenly, the terrorists who had funded him are not so, you know, copacetic no. <laughs> as they were. Not at all. And so Lashif decides he's going to do this poker tournament. Yes, in Montenegro, mm-hmm. which is how he's going to make this money back because yep. he has a lot of faith in his ability um, to use mathematics and statistics and probability and his ability to control those things. And he thinks he can use that to easily make his money back. Well, the part... <laughs> he did not do stick math. <laughs> no it's just every step of the way there's just an amazing action sequence like we said and it's like i almost just want to explain every one to you but i'm I like know. maybe that's boring <laughs> but i i mean i'll just give some quick highlights when he's with demetrius demetrios i'm not sure how to say it and they're at the uh the body exhibit yes and demetrius pulls out a knife and he and Bond are fighting over this knife. They're in the middle of this crowded exhibit. There are people all around them. Yeah. And neither one of them makes a sound for help. They don't draw any attention no. to what they're doing. It's just these two guys fighting over this very sharp knife that could very easily kill them. And very easily does kill Demetrius. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, he pushes him down into a chair and just leaves him there. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, it's... Uh, it's it, kind of, like, tantamount to that uh, telephone cord thing. Yes. With Sean Connery that you really enjoy. Oh, I, I love that stuff. Well, and it's... And, I mean, the way that he kills Demetrius is, is they have this, this fight with the knife, and he kind of, like, tilts his head to get him to look over his shoulder. Yeah, he's like, hey, look over there. And then he stabs him. <laughs> he gets it. And then he foils the, this plot to destroy this plane out on the runway. There's this massive tanker truck, which is, is full, and there's an explosive device on it. And it's to hit this airplane. Yeah. And he, you know, fights with this guy. Massive battle. Amazing. Oh, my God. There's so much. It's like a car chase. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's hanging off this truck, and he's hitting another car, and all this stuff is happening. I mean, it's a wild, wild scene. 
Yeah. And like, it feels, even though, I mean, you're watching a James Bond movie, right? So you're just like, oh, James Bond is going to win, mm-hmm. obviously. But it doesn't feel like that in the moment. Like, no. it just feels like, how is he going to make it out of this situation? That's what you feel the whole time. And it's, he takes this tanker truck, he takes control of it, that's heading for this plane, and it's shot full of holes and gasoline's going everywhere, and the tires are shot out, and he goes to hit the brakes, and the brakes don't work. So he just, like, spins the wheel, you know, and it's just like the truck just kind of, you know, spins and slides and skids and stops just short of hitting the plane. And there's this very funny shot where he just kind of looks over, you know, pretty much to the camera, just like, wow. You (laughs) know what I mean? We, We did it. Like, uh, I didn't think that was going to go well either, but here we are. We no. made it. Well, and we also have, you know, I was thinking about this with Lazen being on Her Majesty's Secret Service. We have a lot of parallels with that as well. So we have an Honor Majesty's Secret Service, Bond Finds Love. Yep. And in that film, it's the brilliant Diana Rigg. Oh, amazing. So good. And then we have the villain, Telly Savalas. Uh, such a good movie. Such a good movie. So we have that. And so Diana Rigg and, you know, James Bond go through this massive adventure. And at the very end of the film, they get married. And as they're driving away from the wedding, you know, they have a line like, we have all the time in the world. And as they're driving away from the wedding, the villains come and they murder Bond's wife. Yeah. They, they shoot up the car and they kill her. And it is soul-crushing. Yeah. And then you have the Louis Armstrong song, We Have All the Time in the World. And this mirrors what happens later on. Um, Not in Casino Royale, actually. It's in, again, major spoiler, and No Time to Die, when Bond sacrifices himself. Yeah. And he, he gives himself up, and he knows that his wife and daughter will be will be safe. Yeah. It it's it's just like they bring that song back in in the end credits. Oh man, that was a real heartbreaker in that. And he also says the line, yeah, we have all the time in the world. And it's it's hard because you know, I just jumped in no time to die. Well, he but... says you have all the oh. time in the world at oh. the end of it. It's so he, They said we have all the time in the world at the beginning, but then uh, when it's just him and Madeline and like it's before the time jump. And they think, you know, they're just going to run off together right at the end of Spectre. And that's going to be great. He says we have all the time in the world. And at the end, when he, like, sacrifices himself, what he says to her is, you have all the time in the world. Oof. And it is, it's a real bust, like, heartbreaker. But uh, I, I actually do think that Honor Majesty's Secret Service is echoed with the Vesper Lind um, kind of relationship. Yes. Because... He does kind of, they don't get married, but it has that feeling of, you know. They could have. They could have. Yeah, well, she had that Algerian love knot necklace. Yes. That she had on, and he realized, you know, that that, that meant that she was had someone special in her life. Mm-hmm. And she stops wearing it, which almost is a symbol that she's deciding to commit to him instead. Mm-hmm. So even though it's not literally a marriage, it is like a commitment has been made. Um, but then she dies, like, right when he thought everything was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I do feel like there is a commonality between that and Secret Service 
I agree. It's it's hard when I talk about this because for some reason when I think about the Daniel Craig Bond films, it's almost like one really big movie to me because this is I I feel like the the most cohesive arc we've ever had. I think that's super fair to say. Like yeah, because it really is just like one kind of story spread mm-hmm. over multiple films which is unique I which mean, is unique up is. to this point yeah. yeah it is and it really you know i think that they kind of defined a lot of the mythology of james bond in this like this is kind of the first time that they acknowledge hey there's been other james bonds before mm-hmm. and there will be other james bonds in the future you know it's a it's just a guy who you know it's a it's an identity that can be applied to multiple people well in the previous films they tried to make it like it was the same person because we had if i'm if i'm not mistaken Roger Moore putting flowers on the grave of the wife yes and then we also had Blofeld you know, getting killed long after his appearance and you only live twice. So they had things here and there piecemeal that tried to, to put it together. I mean, if there's something else that, that I'm forgetting, you know, correct me. No, I don't think you are, but that's my point. Like, I think before they kind of tried to have it be like, oh, yeah, it's the same guy across movies. It's yeah. just a different guy's playing the role. But in this, it was really more like this is a guy, a new person his name is James Bond. He's not the James Bond that you knew before, but he is a James Bond. And I think that's kind of the the fact that in No Time to Die, he dies. Yeah. And yet, at the end of the credit sequence, it says James Bond will return. Right. Well, they're not going to raise Daniel Craig from the dead. No. Like. <laughs> no. But, you know, they're going to have another actor at some point, I guess, be James Bond. Um, and it'll just be like a new incarnation of that character. Well, in No Time to Die, we also had another agent, since he was retired, that was 007. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it, it lets you know that... Nomi, I think was her name. Yes. Yeah. I think that's right. And it's, so, I mean, we're going to see, we're going to see more. And I, I wonder if in the future we're going to see that, that kind of core group, you know, like... You know, Ray Fiennes, mm-hmm. you know, Naomi yes, Harris, um, Ben Wishaw. Yeah. Will we see these people again? It'll be again? interesting. It'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah. I really do like that team. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Wishaw's Q is awesome Yeah, he's me. great. Um, and I actually really love Ray Fiennes' as M. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, he's great. Um, and then Naomi Harris turning into Moneypenny was kind of a fun payoff of Skyfall. Yeah. You know, that she tried to be a field agent and she didn't, like, it didn't work out. It wasn't what she really wanted to do and wasn't where she had her expertise. But then she becomes, like, you know, the admin of this, of M, and working in the office and does, like, a really great job with that. Well, and you pointed out when we were watching No Time to Die that, you know, No Time to Die M looked like yeah. The old M. Big time. I mean, I think part of it is like this haircut they gave him that was kind of an old-fashioned looking kind of 50s British haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really, really looked like the original M from like the Connery era. Yeah. It was interesting. That was, I, I mean, I didn't even pick up on that. I was like, oh, wow, nice one. I, I'm interested to see where we're going to head because 
what they did in No Time to Die is they really cemented the fact that not only are they colleagues, they're also actually friends. Yeah. And that was that was oh, really that was really crazy to me because honestly that was the most emotional reaction I had in No Time to Die mm -hmm. was when they have Q realize that Bond is not going to make it. Yeah. And I think that Ben Wish, all the way he played that, really, like, hit me mm -hmm. harder than Leah Sadu as Madeline, you know? Mm -hmm. Not that it's, it has nothing to do with her acting or anything like that. It was just, like, um, you know, she's having this super emotional reaction because, like, the love of her life is about to die. Mm -hmm. The father of her child... They just thought they were just going to have a family now. Yeah. Um, so her, I mean, Leah Sadu is such a good actor. She is top shelf. She's beyond top shelf. Yeah. I mean, she's always amazing. We just saw her in the French Dispatch. Oh, man. And Killer she, performance. Oh, she's so good. And she does the thing with Benicio Del Toro. And that was our favorite sequence, hands down. Electric chemistry. Yeah, they Electric. were so good together. Yeah. Um, but she's just such a good actor anyway, mm -hmm. and everything she does is, like, so emotional at the end of that movie. But something about the way that Ben Wishaw reacted as Q, where it was just like, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Just got me. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Casino Royale. Casino Royale. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're talking about. Right. No, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean to cut you no, off. Do you no, have no, more to you're say? Not, you're not cutting me off at all. I think that's funny because I was like, I need to re... We need to like drive back onto the road here. Um, well, it's just... Yeah. It, that's a very that's a very heavy emotional reaction. So, so yeah, speaking... Let's lighten the load. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, what I, my, the topic that I want to talk about, I don't know necessarily is lightening the load, uh -oh. but you know, I think it's worth talking Let's talk about this totally messed up form of torture that Le Chief delivers oh, wait, wait. No. to 007. Yeah, I mean, okay, so, I mean, it's it's harsh. Basically, they take this cane chair, they cut the seat out, strip Bond totally naked. Mm -hmm. He's sitting in the chair, like, you know, falling through the seat of the chair. And Lashif is hitting him with this rope that I guess is maybe used to, like, beat carpets or something. I don't know. It's it's a massive knot of a very thick rope that I would imagine would tie up a tugboat Yeah, on it, the dock. Yeah, it, that's, it does have a nautical look. Mm -hmm. And he's using this to whip under the seat mm -hmm. uh, where James Bond's genitalia i guess if i'm trying to be classy yeah are so he's yeah not to be classy he's smacking him in the balls mm -hmm. with this rope knot that looks like a fist you know he could just punch you and it's awful but in the tradition of the daniel craig <laughs> tough james bond he's just like okay you know he's got to do what he's got to do he tries to laugh it off. He's like, yeah. oh, I've got an itch over there, you know. Can you scratch it for me? And then like, he laughs Oof. and says, you're going to die scratching my balls. <laughs> I mean, that is, 
commitment that I don't have. No. I mean, I would have given up everything. I mean, I no, no I can't. Um, yeah, I mean, no, if I heard you screaming true. in the other room, I would hang on. So well, I guess that's the whole point. Yeah, is that he's you know trying to save Vesper at mm-hmm. the time. I mean, he doesn't want to give away anything because he doesn't want her to you know to get killed. Well, the chief says that they're going to mess her up if yeah. he doesn't talk. But I, James Bond is smart enough to know you can't trust any of these yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, they, you're you not negotiating with terrorists. I mean, basically no. you're dealing with a terrorist. So. No, they already threw her tied up in the middle of the street. You yeah. know what I mean? This is not anyone that I would have any faith in whatsoever. No. And so we go through this. We get, you know, what seems to be like a happy ending, you know? I mean, he's going to retire. They're going to be happy together. And then you have about another 20, 30 minutes left in the film, which is a whole other action set piece. Yeah. Which is the the death of Vesper. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, because Lashif, when he, when he gets killed... You still have almost exactly 30 minutes left in the movie. And yeah. that's what happens in it. So it's like your main villain is gone. But it turns out he's not the main villain after all. He's just kind of a henchman of this evil organization. So you start finding out more about Spectre. Yeah. And Mr. White, who ends up being the primary antagonist over the course of several movies. And becomes important, and he's important all the way through No Time to Die. Really. Yeah. And I mean, you also have, of course, in Casino Royale, we have two gorgeous Aston Martins. Although what I want to say about that is, Mm -hmm. the first car that we see the Daniel Craig James Bond drive is like a Ford sedan rental car. Oh in yeah, the <laughs> not an Aston Martin. No, <laughs> no. Okay. And I had a good laugh about that because it's the first time I've really noticed that. I thought, I thought, oh my gosh, it's like the first time he's driving a car. It's just like this Ford family sedan, and that's a really funny kind of a subversion that I thought was good. That's great. You know, I never picked up on that. Yeah, there there's, always... there's a lot of funny stuff in this. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of really good laughs. Yeah. And it comes from him being this immovable rock, this tough guy. Well, and also, I mean, there's just a lot of things that are funny. Like, one of the things that we were laughing about earlier is the number of tuxedo shirts (laughs) that he has. Yeah. He's got just tuxedo shirts. Like, he must just have one entire, like, suitcase that's just white shirts. That he can wear with his tux. Yeah. Because he just keeps running out. He keeps ruining them. And we were like counting them off as he would mess them up. Like he's the first one. He gets in a fight and there's blood all over it and he has to change. Yep. The second one, he goes in and Vesper is like having kind of a nervous breakdown in the shower because she's witnessed death kind of for the first time, I guess. And he sits down in the shower with her and gets totally wet. Then he's almost murdered. With, like, the digitalis and the drink. And he, you know, sweats through that shirt. And then he shows back up and he's all fresh again. (laughs) 
Yeah, so. It's amazing how he does that. <laughs> He's just got like a real line to some dry cleaners <laughs> or something. The guys figured out. It's really funny. Well, he also blows out a pair of pants in that shower, too. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, and who knows? Maybe the belt. I think the <laughs> shoes would survive. The socks. I, I think they'd make it. And I mean, also another thing while we're talking about the clothes, one of the things that we really enjoy is the way that like somehow they have uh, both Vesper and Bond have this supernatural power where they're like uh, tailors. You know, they just instantly know the exact (laughs) sizes for each other. Like Bond's dinner jacket. That thing fits so good. Yeah, it fit perfectly. And, of course, she ordered it for him just based on eyeballing his size. Yeah. And he orders her this, like, skin-tight, perfectly-fitting, slinky little dress. Same thing. I'm just like, okay, you guys missed your calling. You should have been, like, haute couturiers, <laughs> I guess. Because they have this talent for that. At the end of the movie, well, not the end of the movie. When we think it's the end of the movie, we're almost at the happy ending Bond says, you know, I, you know, need you to find a job because I don't know how to do anything normal. That's a lie. They could both be tailors. <laughs> exactly. Excellent tailors. They would have the best shop in London or wherever they set up. They wouldn't even have to be there. You know, maybe you just do a Zoom call and you just rattle off the size <laughs> to them, you know, and just have some folks make up the suit, the dress. Maybe pants. this is like a tie-in to Kingsman. May, you know what? You're absolutely right. <laughs> a spy movie with a an upscale clothing store. Yeah. I, <laughs> that would be a perfect job for them. It's a good... Well, and Ray Fiennes is in Kingsman. Oh, yeah. The Kingsman. Uh, that's really funny. <clears throat> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, there's a lot of funny stuff. And one thing I thought was kind of just weird in a funny way was like after Lashif is gone... And they're in Venice. Um, the the new bad guy is kind of like a ripoff version of Lashif because they kind of have a, <laughs> yeah. a, a similar look. Um, this guy's skinnier, whereas Mickelson is more like muscular. But like they both have some like messed up left eye, so it's just like a replacement left eye messed up guy who comes to like be the new bad guy. <laughs> Well, it's really funny, too, though, because for, like, some reason, Mads Mikkelsen was in all these movies where, like, his eye was messed up. Mm -hmm. Like, he was in this, and then he was in where it was, like, Weeping Blood. Then he was in another movie where it's, like, some Viking-type dude where he's literally called, like, One Eye. Yeah, yeah. Valhalla Rising, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. And then, like, when he was in um, Doctor Strange, he's got some weird junk coming out of his eyes. Um, I mean, it's just like, what's the deal? It's kind of like how we felt like Clifton Collins is Clifton Collins. I think it's Clifton Collins Jr. Junior. I think, yeah, yeah. Played a guy with like one arm in like multiple movies. Mm-hmm. And like John and I were like, I don't know, we fully had convinced ourselves without discussing it yeah. that he actually only had one arm. And then when we saw that he had two arms, we were like, wait, what happened? How did he get his arm back? It's crazy. But yeah, we were questioning whether Mads Mikkelsen actually had like one weird eye at one point because he just kept being in stuff with a weird eye. Yeah. I mean, we've had that. We had that with Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yeah. Oh, we had a complete thing with that where we just completely convinced ourselves 
that <laughs> that um one of the characters like had a deformed like arm Mm-hmm. And then when we watched the movie again, we were like waiting for that scene, and then yeah. like it didn't happen. We're like, wait, what? I don't know. That one was like a shared delusion that we actually talked about. Like we even called that guy Little Arm. Yeah. What What is that actor's name? Vincent. Vincent Cassell. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Who was married? Not now, but was married to Monica Bellucci, who's Inspector. Boom! Look at that. We just brought that right around. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of moves here. I'm, I'm happy about this. I mean, with Casino Royale, I just keep going back to it, and I keep thinking there's more. There's yeah. more to, like, unearth. And I'm like, what haven't we unearthed? No, I know. I mean, like, and we watched this so many times, mm-hmm. and there's basically never a time that I don't feel like I've watched this again. Like, anytime you're like, hey, do you want to watch a James Bond movie? The first one that I would want to pick would be this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at this moment, we literally just watched it tonight. I would probably wait and watch Skyfall again or something else again first. Mm-hmm. But it's it's hard. And, you know, I actually enjoy almost all of the movies. I mean, there's a couple where I'm just like, oh, boy, I don't know if I could do this one again. Yeah. Because some of the stuff is, like, really rough now. Yeah. Or yeah. dated in a really unflattering kind of way or For whatever. Sure. But other than that, I generally like the movies, but the Daniel Craig ones are the ones that really rise to the top for me. Yeah, those are the ones that I feel that I could just go back and just spin any time. We have friends that aren't James Bond people at all, and they said that with Casino Royale, it's like Goodfellas to them. Anytime they see it on television, they see it anywhere they will pick up wherever it is and watch it the whole way through. Yeah, and it really stands as a unit, even though it continues really well into Quantum of Solace. It is, like, an amazing standalone movie. Like, you could watch that and have no concept of what James Bond is or anything, and Mm -hmm. you could really still like this movie. Well, because you get the feeling after you've watched Casino Royale and you know this character that he is going to exact revenge. Oh, yeah. There is not a question no. that he will find everyone responsible and eliminate them. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. What else do we have to talk about with this? Richard um, Branson. Oh yes, Richard Branson. <laughs> Having uh, this is actually our first time to watch this in 4K. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we we didn't have a 4K TV, and we've l- just upgraded. Um, and this was one of the movies that we really were excited to see in 4K. It did not disappoint. It did not. Mm-mm. But the funny thing is, the biggest thing that I noticed that I've never seen before was that we were watching it, and then there's a scene in the airport, you know, before the big action scene of trying to stop the tanker truck. And I'm just like, what? Is that Richard Branson, like, getting frisked in the airport? <laughs> I was like, no way. But I, it just looked so much like him. I had to Google it, and sure enough, it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So that was hilarious and ridiculous. Um, but I guess um, one thing I actually did want to talk about that I had a question on and maybe wanted to see your insight was Felix Leiter. Ah, Felix We haven't even Leiter. talked about Felix, and we love Jeffrey Wright as Felix Leiter. We sure do. I mean, the first thing I'll say about Jeffrey Wright is, yes, he's amazing. And as Felix Leiter, 
I am about as good of a poker player as Felix Leiter. <laughs> uh, Felix Leiter is a terrible poker player. He admits it. He says that he's just bleeding chips. He looks completely disinterested in this game. He's just, like, throwing money out there. Well, that's what else I wanted to say. Yeah. That's really funny. Is like, all of these three guys that are, like, the main people we're looking at during this poker scene mm -hmm. have a very distinctive way of putting their chips out. Yes, they do. Like, James Bond, like, kind of plops his chips out on the table. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like an aggressive way. Right. But uh, Lashif is almost, like magic trick <laughs> laying his his chips out like he's doing like almost like a sleight of hand thing which is really interesting yeah and his tick is that he has this thing where he's like flipping the chips in his hand mm -hmm. and it's like so seamless and cool looking and then when he lays the chips down it's almost like they just appear under his hand and then the way Felix Leiter does it, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how I would explain him just slinging the chips out onto the table, like, completely disgusted every time. Yeah, it's just like he's throwing out trash. It's like he, he just... doesn't even want to do it. He no! The look on his face, he's just like, what are we doing here? But, yeah, I guess what my question was, though, was, he says to Bond, like, so when Bond, like, loses the hand where mm -hmm. he thought he knew the tell, he didn't, and he loses the 10 million plus whatever he had made, which must have been a lot, mm -hmm. he is trying to get the money from Vesper, and Vesper doesn't want to give it to him. So he's ready to just go actually stab Lashif yeah, yeah. at that point. He has a knife and he's ready to go. And Felix stops him and mm -hmm. is like, what's going on? Like, why don't you play? You know? Yeah. And uh, he's like, I can't. I don't have the money. And Felix says, look, I'll stake you. Yeah. Because I don't want to play. I, I mean, this is the question I kind of had. Is that he's saying he's terrible at this. Right. But he's doing better than Bond did. I mean. Oh, that's a good point. He's still got money, and Bond has jack junk at this point. So, why is it that he's ready to do it? Is it just that he doesn't have the confidence to keep playing, and he feels like he's going to lose? Does he feel like he can just kind of step back and not take any risk, and just kind of let Bond take care of it, and then pass the baton over to him when it's time? Yes, that's what I get out of it. I mean, Felix Leiter, just some really fast background for people, um, is a CIA operative that shows up throughout the Bond movies. Many different actors have played Felix Leiter, and Felix Leiter is generally shown to be Bond's friend. Yeah. And in this Daniel Craig series of Bond films, this is the first time that we're running into Felix Leiter. So this is the beginning of their relationship. Felix Leiter, it feels like to me, is there because the CIA wanted an operative there. And for whatever reason, he's the one that had to go. And he has no real interest in poker, no real skill with poker. But he's just, I, I feel like he's just treading water. I, I didn't pay attention to the chips that he was putting out there. But I feel like the reason that he lasted longer than Bond is he wasn't making big bets. He yeah, was just he was going just along. Because Bond went all in. 
and he was going head to head. Bond is a very aggressive poker player, and Felix Leiter just has a general disinterest. It felt to me that he just wanted to be there on the ground to see what was happening so he could report back. And if there was any big enemy activity, he could jump right in and get on the horn and call in the cavalry. I I don't feel that he has yeah, any interest other than just being there and it doesn't feel like he really wants to be there. It's just like it seems like he drew the the short, short straw and that that's why he's there and so he sees bond and it's like oh you know he says it looks like you know you i think that you have a chance to beat him mm-hmm. and he's like i'll stake you and he goes on further to say the cia doesn't care about money and that whatever money he wins he can keep as long as they get to bring in the bad guy yeah, yeah i guess that makes sense I guess just this time when I initially heard him saying, you know, I'll stake you. Yeah. I thought, you know, he's saying he's not better than him at this, but he's the one who still has money to play. So it kind of was a little question mark for me. But honestly, it makes sense when we talked it through. Yeah. It's just like he doesn't, he's just there. He's not interested. No. His playing style, flinging out these chips. You really say that he just is like, whatever, got to do what I got to do. It's like he's throwing out rotten salami or something, yeah, you know, it's just, just like, get out of here. Yeah, it's he doesn't want any piece of it. So, yeah, that that's what I get out of the the Felix Leiter situation. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about the fighting. We've talked about the fast paced action. Which is awesome. Yes. We've talked about how you just don't know if Bond is going to make it. And that extends into the scene where he's having a cardiac arrest. No, yeah, I forgot. I mean, we didn't even mention that. Nope. He has been poisoned, and he uh, struggles to get to his car. And he is on the phone with MI6. He puts a needle into his body, and they can read what's going on in his blood. And they find out, you know, what the poison is. And they guide him to stick himself in the neck with, you know, a serum. And then they also tell him to attach these paddles to his chest so that he can can shock himself. Yeah. And um, they said that, you know, he has less than two minutes to do this. And, you know, they say you need to, you know, shock yourself with the paddles. There's a red button that he needs to push. And he keeps pushing the button, and it doesn't work. And he sees that one of the leads is not connected to one of the, the paddles that, that's stuck to his chest. Yeah. And he passes out. So Bond could have actually just died in that moment if it wasn't for Vesper who shows up, reconnects that lead, and pushes the button and brings him back to life. Yeah. And this is symbolic also because he is dead emotionally as a person. And he, you know, is reinvigorated. Yeah. And he says to her, I don't know how much of me is left in there, 
but whatever is left in there of me is yours. Yeah. And and he's he's ready for that. And then also at the end of the film, she goes to turn in the money to Spectre. And she does that so once again she can try to save his life. And then in, in the final move to help him, she leaves her phone with information. Yeah. So he can track down Mr. White. You got it. Yeah. So, I mean, she looks after him so much. And I, I think that, you know, he processes that so that when in no time to die, he writes on a piece of paper, forgive me. You know, that's that's what he's thinking about, because he looks at all the ways that this person really helped him. Yeah, it it, it brought him back to being a human being well and also i will note mm -hmm. that she sends him after mr white mm -hmm. who was madeline's father ha! look at that so vesper is in that way the one that leads him to madeline wow and that leads him to a child yes wow <laughs> wow that is like long game planning by these writer producers. Wow, I'm really glad because we were like going to wrap up there, and this point is amazing. This I never is... thought about it until I said it. Wow. Yeah. Way to go. But yeah, Vesper puts him on the path to Mr. White, which puts him in with Madeline, and that's kind of his whole life. Like that just becomes what his life is i mean at the end of specter he leaves being a spy to be with her um and of course things don't work out yeah but then it does turn out that you know she's had this baby and it's his baby and you know they were going to be this family um but of course unfortunately it doesn't work out again yeah um because of what happens with the Rami Malley character. Again, like we said, the Daniel Craig series of films is like one big story. Mm -hmm. um, and each chapter is kind of its own standalone thing, but there is also like a long game story going across the entire series. I fully agree. It's really cool. It's, it's something that is just so wonderful to experience. I'd love to sit down someday when we have the time and just watch all five of these films. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uninterrupted, on the 4K TV, and... Um, yeah, just back to back, and really experience the entire story as a whole. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. That would be great. What food do you think of when you think of Casino Royale? You know, I was kind of mulling this over, and it's been a very difficult choice to make um and what i kept coming back to and it's a dessert mm -hmm. um is a trifle okay which is kind of this thing that is made up of a lot of different components mm -hmm. so you have like cake you have custard you have cream you have fruit a lot of times okay so there's a lot of different flavors some are sweet some like there's a little saltiness there's like a sour so it has like all the flavors and it kind of looks like kind of a, you know, it's just thrown all together. Yeah. But it's actually very um, strategic 
the ingredients that are chosen with how they interact with each other. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's what I think about. I think because this is so well plotted yeah, and so well done um, throughout that it just has, and it also has all of these elements to it that come together to make such a really wonderful whole thing. Um, and, you know, it's all things that are good on their own. Like, mm-hmm. berries taste good on their own. Sure. But when you combine them with, like, custard cream cake, um, then it's not just that the berries are good in themselves, but they're also good in the way that they contrast with the other food. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm thinking about, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm overcomplicating things, but... No. <laughs> that's what I kept coming back to. And, honestly, I didn't really have any idea why I was coming back to it, but once I, like, kind of intellectualized it... I kind of realized that it symbolically makes sense after all. And I wasn't just pulling it out of nothing. No. I mean, I would say the food that I think of with Casino Royale is similar. I think of like a five-layer dip. (laughs) Okay. You know? And I could see myself with a big bag of tortilla chips and just this massive bowl of this dip, you know? where you can just look at the side of it and you can just really admire the different colors. You can look at the guacamole, the salsa, you know, the sour cream, the beans, mm. all this good stuff. And again, just a really large bowl of that that's clear. <laughs> like a meal-sized bowl. Yes. And I would sit down with the tortilla chips and this, and I would watch not only Casino Royale, but actually all five films marathon. Yeah. And I mean, that would be supremely satisfying to me because you would have so many different tastes and just like the film, how we like to savor every single bite. That's what I would do with the tortilla chips and the dip, every little flavor, every little nuance. It it would, uh, yeah, it all goes together. Sure does. I like that idea. Yeah. And it's like has all these layers, just like this movie has all these layers that we mm. talked about. Right? That's a good choice. And Daniel Craig was in the movie Layer Cake. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Then we should have picked Layer Cakes. Layer no, Cakes. Layer Cake for Layer Cake. Yeah. All right. So uh, that wraps up our Casino Royale episode and our James Bond uh, episode. Mm-hmm. And not that our James Bond content is over, but this no. is our, you know, James Bond episode. We still have all that content on Instagram that you should go check out for sure. Because it's just going to be a really fun week mm-hmm. um, finding out all these votes. And, you know, next week when we come back, whatever movie we're doing, we're going to announce what our top James Bond pick was. Because I just am excited oh, yeah. to find out. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that wraps up our episode today. Right. And we, uh, are really happy to have had you here to talk about Casino Royale. Thanks for stopping by. Definitely. And as always, stay comfy. Stay comfy.